This is locked on BC. BC had an interesting weekend where one quarterback leaves, another comes. And in the end, I think it's an actually a net positive for BC. I'll explain why on today's show. You are locked on Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on BC, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right. Big weekend for BC and a number of different things. And believe me, I will get to women's lacrosse today. I'm not going to, I'm not the guy that's going to not talk about it. But we got to talk quarterback situation here because there was a lot of changes that went on this weekend with the quarterback depth chart with some going out, some coming in, and we're going to talk about what those moves were. And I'll start on Saturday. Well, start on Friday. Uh, but the big move came on Saturday. Well, the first big move came on Saturday as Peter Delaportis, a former three-star quarterback out of New Jersey, entered the transfer portal. Now, this isn't news that uh, was all that surprising. Uh, he was a the BC class of 2022 quarterback so he was the guy that they were hoping would be you know slotted into that depth chart just didn't work out for him he redshirted last year he ended up um this spring just not looking like the kind of quarterback that's gonna do much i mean he in the spring game if you watch the game right i've said all along you don't take much out of that one of the things i noticed was that a jacoby robinson a true freshman who had just got on campus a couple of months ago had jumped Peter Delaportis that Matt Reeve obviously had jumped Peter Delaportis and that he only played in that like situational downs stuff that they were doing in the second half. And even then I was like, he didn't look all that good. He just, I mean, there wasn't much that he was doing that was super special in terms of just like technique and stuff like that. So once I saw Jacoby Robinson jump him, what looks like he jumped him on the depth chart. Right. I was like, okay, this doesn't, this, this is uh, something to worry about and not even worry about, but something to monitor. Like he's right at this point, your fourth quarterback. Is it something you really want to worry about? Well, he enters the portal. You know, I think I've, I, you know, some people I've talked to, it it was a decision he had been weighing for a bit this, the spring uh, and he leaves. Okay. That. You know, I, I think some folks were worried about that. Anytime, anytime a, a, a player transfers out of Boston College, literally the you, you go on Twitter and you post it, and the the like half the reactions are fire Jeff Halfley now. And I'm like, relax, guys. This is another guy that wouldn't have played. He's going to try to go find a new spot for him to to you know a spot where he has a better um, situation, a better chance to play. And I think you can't hate on that, right? Like, if he's not going to play, why do you need him? So he leaves. Over the weekend, though, there was bigger news that I think we're going to talk about for the next segment and a half. On Friday, transfer quarterback Thomas Castellanos out of UCF, a, a high three-star, higher than Delaporte. Like, he was the 22nd-ranked quarterback in the class of 22. 
entered the transfer portal and took an official visit to BC. This was just a week after he had visited Texas State and his former head coach, who is a former positional coach, who's now the head coach at Texas State. He comes to BC. Uh, on Saturday, he posts a whole bunch of pictures. I think it was Saturday night he posted them. Looks like grand old time out there uh, uh, getting getting the full Boston experience. He was at like one of the top notch steakhouses and living at you know at a hotel for the weekend, enjoying things. Saturday night, the tweet comes out. I am closing down my recruitment. I have made. I am close to making my decision. Now, anyone with a brain. Can, knows that when you get um, a note like that, like right on the heels or in the midst of an official visit, either one of two things has happened. Either he just booked it out of that school and said, "Fuck, you know, screw this, I'm going someplace else," or he, you know, had such a great time he's committing on the spot. And it looked based on his pictures, it looked clearly it was option two. And so Castellanos commits to Boston College on Sunday morning. Um. And so this is the, you know, this, you, basically you're trading a quarterback that you know you weren't going to play in Peter Delaporte to a quarterback with experience. He played a little bit last year for, for the, for the Knights. Um, he ran for 114 carries and I think he was nine for 16 uh, passing for like 80 yards or something like that. It wasn't nothing like to write home about, but he did play. It wasn't like he was a guy that sat on the bench. So, you have this change now, and now you have a new depth chart. And this raises the question of which we're going to get into in part two. What role is this guy going to play? Is he, is he brought in to just do gadget stuff? Is that what, what we're looking at here? A guy that like you bring in just to do some like funky things to keep defenses honest or, and, and to mess with them with Emmett Moorhead, or is there more here? Because, when you have a guy that transfers out of a power five program, because UCF is power five. Now folks, they're going they're going to the, the big 12 soon. They're not going to just transfer to be a backup. I've said that on this podcast multiple times, and I'll get into why I think there's a, a more interesting story with Castellanos that people are expecting in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our good old friends at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel if you're making a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, you're doing the right thing because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's a $1,000 back in bonus bets if your bet first bet doesn't win. Now, the Celtics, they're playing against the uh, 76ers to open up the, the next round on Monday. And I just saw Doc Rivers saying that he doesn't think Joel Embiid is going to play. Now, I don't know how you folks feel. The Celtics, at times, play down to, to opponents. Maybe you want to try to take the spread, even though Embiid is doubtful to play. Who knows? But maybe you're thinking, okay, that's that's all they got. The Celtics are going to do something to them. Head over to, to FanDuel right now. You can take, take care of that. Get great promotions every day with a safe and secure app, and you get paid instantly. There's no better pl- bet, place bet at all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. 
First online real money wager only $10 for deposit required. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Stars Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. COIAMI and New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1 888 789 777 or visit cpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1 800 with it in Indiana. 1 800 522 470 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas. 1 877 Stop in LA. Gambling help line mass.org or 1-800-327-5050 or 24-7 support in MA. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or HOPE-NY in New York, or 1-800-522-4700 with Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Whew. All right, Locked on BC here. This is AJ Black. Um so let's let's chat here. Let's chat. We're talking about this this new quarterback that Boston College brought in. And after listening to me read a uh, thirty minute uh, disclaimer there, we are now looking at uh, some changes here for the Eagles. And what we're looking at is a quarterback who doesn't fit the profile of a lot of the quarterbacks that we have seen uh, come in under Jeff Halfley. You know, every quarterback that we've seen, whether it's Matt Reeve, uh, Reeve, excuse me, I always get his, I always call him Reeve, Reeve, uh, Peter Delaportis, and Jacoby Robinson. These guys are all 6'3", I think, or plus. Thomas Castellanos is like six feet. He's 5'11", six feet tall. Much smaller, much more mobile, though. And I think that's a big thing, right? I think one of the big knocks on Emmett Moorhead is that he isn't very mobile. Will he? Will what? What? What does this mean? As I said, I, I kind of alluded to. Will he just be a gadget quarterback, or will there be more? I have to say, given what I know and what I've heard, and, and talking to folks, that this isn't a guy that's brought in to be the backup. All right, folks, then Thomas Castellanos would never have come here just to be a backup. He wanted a chance to start. And so the the, the simple answer is he's going to get a chance to start. Now, Jeff Halfley he, at, at Boston College has said every single year that every position is up for grabs and that it's going to go to the best guy that earns that playing spot. And a lot of times, you, as he to add on to things that he said last year, they didn't have guys that could battle for those spots. But now you have a quarterback position where you have some competition, and that's fine. And I'm not going to get into a quarterback controversy here or anything like that. All I'm saying is that Castellano is coming here with the chance to win that starting position. And if you were to ask me right now who's going to win it, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, maybe I would go with Emmett Moorhead because he's been here for long enough. But this is good in, in no ad, in any way you put it because you're bringing in a quarterback that has experience. Now, as I've said on this podcast multiple times, 
there is there hasn't been a year since I think Patrick Toll, even someone I think even mentioned they he got hurt. The BC has made it through a whole season with a without a quarterback injury. Jeff Halfley has to win this year. He cannot afford to come into next year with you know Emmett Moorhead, and then um, after that you have a bunch of young guys that have no experience, and they are basically screwed if you have to throw them out there. I mean, even Jacoby Robinson, as good as he looked, he, there, there were times, and even Halfley said this in his press conference, that he looked every bit of what should have been a high school senior. So you bring in Castellanos. You get him a chance to you know, do what he does and see, evaluate him and, and see what goes on there. You also get a little bit of a fire under Emmett Moorhead. Competition is good. You, you know, iron, iron sharpens iron, right? I probably screwed that up, but that's kind of what this is about. You have a guy now that could possibly contend to be a starter. If, if Emmett Moorhead isn't doing what you need him to do, well, you have an answer now. You don't, you're not glued to having a guy that maybe isn't the best choice for you. And maybe Emmett Moorhead is, maybe he is. But what I'm just saying is now you have absolute, you have quality depth. And he is not bringing, being brought in just as a gimmick guy. That being said, who knows how the summer ends up? Maybe there's opportunities like this guy's a playmaker. You get him the ball that you figure out how to get him on the field. That, but I think he, I think what you know brings him in here is the chance to be bigger than that. Because if he wanted, if he was told, if Castellanos came here, right? This is a guy that left UCF because John Reese Pumley basically has got a stranglehold on that starter job and he doesn't want to wait another year. That being, so he's leaving a school like UCF because he can't start. Why would he then go to another school like BC and be told, Oh, you're never going to start. That makes no sense. So he's got, he's going to have a chance to like show what he can do. And I think that's a good thing. Okay. So this, I'm not going to get into the, the pros and cons of everything. Also, just to be aware too that the that he and Caleb um, Jones, I'm totally. I think I just totally batched his name. Caleb, Caleb Jones, yeah, Caleb Jones of NCANT are not officially signed yet. So this is just like a verbal commitment, right? This means that we have to wait until he is registered on campus. People can still keep recruiting him, just like they do for high school recruits. So. We have to wait. Hold your breath. Hopefully everything goes smoothly. It looks like he had a great time. I talked to him. He really liked BC. He loved the staff. But we've seen it happen before. So hold on. Hopefully things go well uh, and that we don't get another Baijal Tutu. Remember that running back that uh, in like the very last moment decommitted to Virginia Tech? We want to make sure that doesn't happen here. And so I, I think, you know, this guy has a lot of connections to BC. He loves Daryl White, who has a connection to, you know, to, to UCF. He played with Ryan O'Keefe. And I know that I was talking to him. He's very, he's very close to Ryan O'Keefe. Um, and he loves Steve Shimko and Jeff Halfley. So there's a lot going on here that are, is in BC's favor to keep this commitment solid. Um, and so hopefully that'll be the case. Now, before we get to our last segment, the, the last question then remains, is this it for the transfer portal? Is this the last guy? You have two right now. I don't think it is. I think there'll be more good news coming at some point. Um, I can't get into specifics on it, but if you follow me on Eagle Insider, I've been able to give some hints on there. 
Um, and I, and I think I've seen BC uh, offer some new guys too, but I haven't had a chance to kind of follow back on those. There was three real guys that they've been looking at. Uh, hopefully that will be what kind of seals the deal for the summer. This, uh, this, this spring season, because remember they lost Jalen Gill, Finn Durstein, Spencer Witter, Peter Della Portis, Sean battle. Uh, they've, they've dropped a few guys from the portal from the end of January on. So they've had a couple, they have a couple spots to, to, to move around and get some guys. I, I know when I talked to the staff, I asked them, I said, you know, are you up against it in scholarships? And they said, no. So that's not been an issue. They've been able to be, um, a little bit more resourceful on that. Before we get to our last segment, I want to get, uh, I want to thank each and every one of you that has hit subscribe on our YouTube page and to each and every one of you that has made locked on BC, your daily listen. If you are an everyday or hit me up in the comment section right now, if you listen to this as your go-to Boston college podcast, hit that like button. Thank you so much. You guys are the lifeblood of this podcast. And I love each and every one of you. Now let's look at our comment section. Got a lot of folks up there. Walsh says, I love the beat the quarterback pickup. Marty party says nice more head insurance. Uh, Carlos Canto talk about lacrosse. We'll get to this in just a second. They're ACC champs. Walsh. Good to see happy being active in the portal. Think another receiver is needed. Um, you read my mind and uh, hopefully we'll get some good news there. Uh, Marty party half jobs on the line. He quickly pivoted from building the team, mostly from recruiting. Um, all right. Uh, Rob, Rob T just yells my name. AJ. What up, Rob? Thank you for being here and listening. Dan said, what did he say? I don't know. I don't know if he's talking to Rob. Um, and then football fan, will there be a legitimate competition for the quarterback job? If so, first time for BC since half arrived. I'm going to say that there is a chance for anyone to go for this quarterback position. So we're going at right here. Okay. In a moment, I am going to get into championship mode here, folks. Women's lacrosse did something only one other team has done since 2007. We'll get into that in just a moment. This is Locked on BC. AJ Black here. So let's talk about this. Women's lacrosse won the ACC championship. Downing UNC in North Carolina with a hell of a fourth quarter, winning 11-9. BC shut out the Tar Heels in the fourth quarter. They they um they, they were incredible. Shea Dolce was named the tournament's most valuable women after posting 19 saves in three contests, while Bell, Bell Smith, Jen Majid, Cassidy Weeks, and Sydney Scales were all named tournament uh, all tournament teams. You know, I am so jaded by BC sports. When I saw they were down nine to six, I was like, oh, there we go. It's just another, uh, we're going to have just another disappointing loss here. But this is so different than BC and, and any other sport. Like women's lacrosse, A, is more popular than people give them credit for. And I have said before, like, I don't know lacrosse enough and I would love to get some coverage on my site from someone who does know it. And we'll be looking into that next year. But I think they have more followers on Twitter than, than BC football, which is crazy. But this team has just been magical under Acacia Walker. And they were trailing nine to six and they scored not back-to-back goals. And then uh, they, they ended up going ahead on Andrea Reynolds and Kayla Martello scoring some goals here. And they win the ACC championship. 
Now, when I saw they won this, I had to go back in my brain and I actually looked it up. I, I know BC gets a lot of crap for not winning ACC championships. And I thought I had remembered they hadn't won any, which isn't true. 2007, uh, men's soccer won the ACC championship, which again, I, men's soccer has completely fallen off the face of the earth too. But that's the last time they won. That was 16 years ago. Since the last time BC won an ACC championship in any sport. Now there has been hockey national championships, hockey, hockey East wins, you know, um, the women's lacrosse has done a lot, but they've never won an ACC championship before this. This felt so good for a program that it just a school that just needed it. Right. Uh, and so this brings up a, a valuable stat that everyone should know, right? You, when you are watching this game and you see a team win, you know, you now have, um, BC has now won more uh, conference titles under um, Blake James than they did under Martin Jarmond or Brad Bates or Patrick Kraft. All of those guys, they've won more conference titles than they did under any of those guys combined. It's just crazy. (laughs) Christian, Christian Mahogany uh, is back in our comment section. I love this guy. I just want, I was actually telling my wife about this during the spring game. I said, yeah, there's a guy on this team that puts up a wire meme every time he's in our comment section. Um, And she's like, which one? I'm like, it's, it's the stringer. I just want you to put the word back out there that we back up. So Christian is ready for the, for the season. I think he's excited for the football team. Now let's talk about, look, I just want to wrap, wrap it up. BC women's lacrosse is now in position to win their second national championship in three years. This is a sport that is on the rise. I mean, as I said, when I went to the spring football game, there were tons of football jerseys out there, but there was also, because there was a uh, lacrosse game that afternoon, a ton of women's lacrosse jerseys. You saw Charlotte North, Bell Smith jerseys, just generic women's lacrosse. It's a big deal what these girls, this, these women are doing. They're doing it at such an elite level. They have become the blue bloods of women's lacrosse. Like this is a team that just a couple years ago was still behind the Syracuses in North Carolinas. And what have they done in the last two years? They vanquished Syracuse. They vanquished UNC. They, and they've done it now without Charlotte North. They are showing they're not just, you know, I think the worry that some folks might have had was that Charlotte North was such a transcendent talent that once she graduated, you're like, oh, crap, this team is going to go back to like kind of, you know, good but not great. They're still great. There's still so many great talents on this roster that are making plays in and out defensively, offensively. They're winning every game a different way, but they're doing it as a unit and they're doing it impressively. Now, folks, we're going to get ready for a national title run here. It's going to, we'll find out their, um, their competition soon, but there's a new trophy coming up, coming back to, to Chestnut Hill. That better get into that trophy case and every phone go see 
an ACC title for Boston College, something that has not been done in 16 years. Well, since I've been recording this, folks, I did this during intermission, uh, the Bruins game. I just saw the Bruins tied it, so I'm getting a little giddy. I need to get out of here. But I hope you enjoyed today's show. Hopefully, we'll have some more recruiting news. We'll get into everything that happened. I didn't even get to the draft. We'll get into that on tomorrow's show. We'll get into everything else in between. Thank you so much. Follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. Hit the like button on this uh, video if you enjoyed it, and I will see you all again soon. Have a great afternoon, folks, and go bees.